You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to our weekly Locked On crossover. We're previewing Jacksonville and the Texans. I'm Locked On Texans host Robert Land, along with Brian Patterson. And we're with Locked On Jaguars host Zach Goodall and Chris Thornton. Good to talk to you guys. And just like we thought, the Texans three weeks ago, yeah, they're going to be three and three, tied with Jacksonville and the Titans for first place. Wow, it's just like it, just like we planned it all out. <laughs> yeah, this season, I mean not even just for Jacksonville or the Texans, but when you look across the league is absolutely 100% not going to plan. So just about a normal NFL season for you. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you think guys? Uh, I'm going to ask you about Jacksonville first. I mean, this team uh, sort of comes back intact. You add guys, um, but it, it doesn't quite look the same. The numbers are pretty good. I looked on defense you guys are still getting it done on defense, but maybe uh, turnovers, things like that offensively. What, what's the difference and why this team you know, isn't winning the games that they won last year? Well, Chris and I have kind of been on and off throughout the week with some fiery podcasts over at Locked On with kind of our takes. They turn into a little bit of rants. Uh, I did a solo episode the other day, so therefore I figure it might be best to let Chris go ahead and start this one out. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh I mean our our biggest complaint I think kind of so far into the season really I think goes down to the coaching staff. Uh prime uh specifically with the two coordinators, the offensive coordinator and Nathaniel Hackett and defensive coordinator and Todd Wash and we really think they're just kind of scheming these guys for failure, especially Todd Wash with the defense and having so many talented playmakers on that side of the ball and he's almost just babying them. He's kind of giving opposing quarterbacks and offenses free yards with zone defenses when you have the guys like Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Bouye to play man and and press your uh, opposing receivers down the field. And then just it's it's basically neutralizing Saxonville. Uh, it's it's getting rid of the pass rush because these quarterbacks are able to dump off the ball so fast in these zones that the pass rush, it's almost impossible for any type of pass rusher to get to the quarterback before the quarterback's just kind of letting it off. So uh, that's probably been our biggest rant this week uh, following this, the absolute boat race that they had against the Cowboys this past week. Uh, I, I would say it's probably on the shoulders of Todd Wash at this, at this point in the season. Who's your biggest uh, disappointment? I mean, I know Blake Bortles. He's always a disappointment. I mean, that's no surprise. I know you guys know what to expect out of Blake Bortles, but who is your biggest surprise uh, for this season in terms of disappointment? I kind of align the same way with Chris when it comes to the coordinators, and I'm sure that'll become a boring answer at this point because I think that's truly what's held the team back, Todd Wash in particular. Uh, You said it as well, Uh, Bortles, that's just kind of expected. There have been the games where he's played really well. I mean, the New England game, uh, the New York Jets game, he came out firing, and it was unlike any play that we've seen from him before. He broke his own record for passing yards in a game twice this year already. Like There are games where he is playing well, and then there's games where Things look like the 2016 3-13 Jaguars with Bortles leading the way, being called a basket case. All those type of it's just it's so inconsistent that it's holding the team back. And on top of that, the coordinators are calling incredibly predictable things. The defense is not 
high variance at all. And when you've got the talent levels that it's got on the defensive line, the linebacker core and the secondary to where you can do a bunch of different things with these guys and you can put your trust into these players, that's not happening. And they're doing the same thing over and over again. They're pretty much running the same type of defense that we saw when Gus Bradley was head coach here in Jacksonville. And we all know how that went. And teams are smart enough to pick up on it. This off this league has been, you know, taken over by firepowered offenses and offensive scheming. That's the talk around the league is how these coordinators are so genius scheming around defenses to where even the best ones are getting eaten up. And Jacksonville is a prime suspect with that. It's just been a year. Why would you change up something that's working? You know, I don't know why there's changes that need to be made. And apparently Todd Wash has done that. So you basically have said that it's not the players, it's the coaching. It, it comes down to that ultimately. Huh? Yeah, I looked at pro football focus the other day to kind of get a, you know, idea as to where the Jaguars are doing well on defense. They may not have the sack numbers they did last year. Whether those were kind of blown up by the 10 sack game against Houston week one, maybe, maybe that's the case, but they're definitely not where they were in terms of box score stats on defense last year, but they're 10th in the NFL in pressures with 110. So the pass rush is still putting pressure on the quarterback, but they're playing such lofty zones with a ton of separation, whether it's playing zone or playing off man with very little press very little trust in these all pro cornerbacks and a great secondary to where offenses are scheming to where it doesn't matter how much pressure is coming to the quarterback because they're getting the ball out so quickly to these underneath zones that they're just getting Nick. Like what, what was the way you put it, Chris? I think nickeled and dimed throughout pretty much every game at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Texans fans. We don't know anything about poor coaching. We've got Vince Lombardi at the helm and, Uh, all, all is good over here. I, I have no idea what, what you're talking. W- w- we could get into what's going on with the Texans in just a bit, but I just want to take a second to remind everybody if you're enjoying Locked On Texans and Locked On Jaguars, the crossover, tell your friends what we're doing over here. Support us also by sharing our show, show links with our, your social media followers. Take a few seconds also to rate us on iTunes and don't forget about our partners over at MyBookie. You might have realized, hey, the Jags favored by four and a half over the Texans Sunday. The over-under is 43 points. If you think you can make some money off of that, or you'd like to put a few bucks on any games this week, go to MyBookie.ag. Remember who you're betting on. It's just as important as who you're betting with. They've been in business for years. They've got great reviews. Their mobile site is easy to use, lots of good stuff, and I'd only recommend a service that's been good to me. That's why I urge you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the biz. If you're willing to deposit after 6 p.m. Central, 7 Eastern, they're going to give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit Dollar for dollar. Use the promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. If you wait till 6 p.m., you get an extra $25 free play by using promo code LOCKEDON25. Don't forget that. Go ahead and wait till after dinner. Take the extra money because you know what it is. It's MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, guys, we're going to try to tell you what's going on for for Jacksonville fans that haven't seen the Texans this year. The issue 
it's all coming down to the offense, as Brian will tell you as well, and I'll let Brian take it in a second. But O'Brien and Deshaun Watson looked like they were working in perfect harmony. It looked like Simon and Garfunkel last year in those six games. (laughs) And then it just has fallen apart just as easily this year. We can't figure it out because – you know, we were making the remark after this past game, it's it's the same guys for the most part. The offensive line, yeah, it's no good. It was no good last year. I mean, it's it's a few different guys on the O-line, but, I mean, the talent is probably equally as poor, but you've got great receivers. You've got the same running backs. You've got uh, tight ends that are okay, not great, but Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien just can't get it going. The red zone uh, that's been the discussion for the most part over the last few weeks. That's been the biggest issue. Any, anything I've forgotten, Brian? You know, I, I, I talked about how much I advocated for Bill O'Brien to get the extension. Now, I didn't ask for four years. I didn't ask for four additional years onto uh, his contract. <laughs> but another two years, you know, why not? Just to see if this thing works. Let's run this back. But but what's happened is just a discombobulated uh, shell of himself. You know, I thought that, you know, we were going to see the same Deshaun Watson that we had in those six and a half games uh, last season, he looks tentative. He looks like he's still worried about getting hurt. Um, although you see a little bit more aggression. Well, you say he's still worried about getting hurt, Brian. He he wasn't looking like he was worried about getting hurt last year. But the the problem isn't about getting hurt. I, I mean, that's been a concern that he's getting he's going to get hurt because he he's not playing as smart as he did last year, trying to avoid the hits. The problem is. You know, he's not making on-time throws. He's holding on to the ball, even though the the numbers say oh, he's holding on to it the same as last year. If you look at the the seconds, right, Brian, it, it's the same, but it doesn't yeah, seem – Yeah, it just doesn't seem like he's making either the, the, the good decisions there or maybe the pockets closing in on him differently. It's it That's the thing. It just seems like – all the stuff that was working last year isn't working this year. They they've lost the form. They've they've basically. Did you ever watch the show? Anybody watch the show Greatest American Hero? I never did. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great show. You got to watch it from the eighties. But it, it's it's the the problem that, that the Greatest American Hero had is he he lost the instruction book, and it's like the Texans and Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson have lost the instruction book on offense. We we can't figure it out. I just want to be in a situation. I want to see where Deshaun Watts is protecting himself more, you know, trying to prevent from taking these hits. Because some of these, you know, decisions he's making, that's self-inflicted. I mean, you know the situation. You know, this is the two past games where he's gotten, you know, the, the defenders going at him. You know, they're rushing toward him. And then he just heaves the ball to the end zone and throws a, a huge interception. This week it was, you know, he's trying to target Ryan Griffin, but he was already double covered. And that was one of the easiest uh, interceptions that, you know, one could get. But, uh, he, and he took a hit hard. That's the one that took him out of the game. And I was wondering, you know, whatever, you know, he, you know, that was against the Cowboys when he, when we went into overtime, was he actually going to get to play? And you obviously could tell something was wrong because he was throwing short passes. He wasn't throwing the ball deep. He threw a few deep ones last game, but still not as much. I don't think that he's 100%, and I don't know if he's going to be 100% for this season. He's just going to have to play uh, through the pain because ultimately, if you put Brandon Weeding into the game, if if you go on and play him, the season is over. You have conceded the season. <laughs> now, I'd figure probably – 25 sacks will definitely contribute to that. But I was back watching um, 
I think it was the game I've watched the most this year, the Texans, and that being the Cowboys game that you had just mentioned. And there were times, I don't know if there were injury issues bugging him before then, but there were times where he was, you know, trying to get across the goal line. He came out and even talked about it later in a press conference where he said he's willing to take those hits if it means that he can try and put points on the board. And is that where this kind of started to come from, where you saw him, you know, kind of take a step back and try and be preventative with injuries? Yeah, the Cowboys game was the it was the worst of of him just taking unnecessary hits. I think of all the games that they played, and they're playing some physical defenses. I mean, we we haven't said much about it in the post game because you concentrate so much on your team. But you know, the Bills, the Cowboys, Giants, the, all of them have physical defenses, and their job is to try to knock Deshaun Watson out, and he's got to realize that that's what they're trying to do. I mean, you know, you could say, I want to make this play or make that play, but, you know, it's the whole live to fight another day. And and this week against Jacksonville, I'm expecting Calais Campbell and all the guys that you guys have uh, coming at the Texans, everybody that's coming from Jacksonville is going to be trying to do the same thing. I mean, that's the object of the game now is uh, he's got to not be a human pinata out there. And unfortunately for Watson, I mean, that could uh, uh, meaning that this is Jacksonville's kind of coming out party for Saxonville once again, because, you know, they are in a funk right now, even though the uh, pressure is still getting there and they're not getting the box score numbers. And on top of that, they're losing and they look incredibly poor on the field. This could be that chance for them to bounce back as well. This feels like a division that it's anybody's right now, guys, doesn't it? I mean, it feels like it's totally up for grabs between these three teams and the Titans. I mean, saying the Titans included. And then there's the Colts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. They're just there. I mean, they're just there. You know, because I I was hoping that Andrew Luck wasn't going to have the type of season where, you know, he was going to elevate them all the way to the top of the division. But it looks like it's just going to be another uh, season of growing pains for the Colts. But what I wanted to get at, guys, is who do you think is going to be the first to get to Deshaun Watson? I I think it might be Calais. Chris, I'll let you get this one, but I I think it's time for Calais to make another impact in the game. Last week was not a good game for him. I I just have to ask, how are your tackles playing right now? Just – because I know in I know in the pre or in the off season, for real? <laughs> in the off season, that was the biggest concern for the Texans was the offensive line. And like I said, I can't say that I've watched too much Texans uh, film besides the Cowboys game, and it seemed like the Cowboys were getting decent amount of pressure. So if the tackles are struggling, I, I'm going to have to go with Unique Ngakwe. He is getting oh. pressure. He's getting pressures every game. He I, he had five last week. He has I think 26 or 27 on the year now. And he is getting continual pressure. And although I'll sound like a biased Jags fan, he's getting held most of the time. That's why he's not getting home on a lot of these. But if he is able to get to, I I think he'll be the first to get a sack. And I'm hoping that he'll have a few because he's getting really close to some sacks. And he's just, the quarterbacks are able to dump off the ball faster than he can get to him. But I'll put my answer as uh, unique Ngakwe. The Texans left tackle Julio Davenport last week, uh, this past Sunday, I should say 29.6 was the pro football focus grade. I don't know if that's bad or not out of 100, but 29.6. Let me repeat. Uh, it's not good. Yikes. <laughs> Kendall Lamb, 53.4 right tackle. I mean, for the Texans, that's kind of good the last couple of years. And and he's played 
he's played better than at anybody else that they've had at right tackle. Uh, you know, he, he's not the strongest guy, so you can overpower him. It, it's not somebody that necessarily, I don't look at him as somebody that you want to speed rush a ton because I feel like you're playing into his strength. But if you try to bull rush him, you can knock him over. And that's that lamb has gotten stronger than he was last year where he was really unplayable. You know, he spent off and on over the last couple of years on the practice squad, but that's the issue with the right tackle. And and they've tried Martinez rank in their rookie at uh, left tackle. And I think they've tried him at right tackle. Also, I'm, I'm got him blank and they've moved guys around so many times, but uh, he's just not ready for any of that. Most people in Houston don't think he should be a tackle, period. For some reason, the Texans think he should be a tackle. A, a lot of the scouts that we've heard, we've heard from thinks he should be a guard. Um, the Texans aren't bad up the middle. Like the right guard, uh, Zach Fulton has done a good job. If that gives you guys any idea of you know where where the weaknesses and the strengths of the Texans are. Nick Martin is kind of he's okay on pass blocking. He's not great, but he's okay. And Kelamete at left guard can be kind of porous uh, as far as pass blocking is concerned. But um, re- yeah, really the weaknesses. If you go out after the tackles, um, you're going to find something at some point in the game eventually. Now on the flip side. The Jaguars offensive line has not lived up to the expectations that were set in the offseason. There have been a lot of solid run blocks, and in return, TJ Yeldon has quietly been the most effective player on the Jags offense as a whole, whether it be running, whether it be in the passing game. He's doing a lot and not getting the ball nearly enough. I think he's averaging 5.6-ish yards per touch on 24% of the offensive snaps. So He's not he's effective when he's getting it, but they're not using it. Otherwise, you know, when you look at this offensive line and what they're creating, really all they're doing is allowing a lot of pressure. Andrew Norwell has been really hit or miss so far. He's been a much better run blocker than he has been pass protector. There have been a lot of times where, you know, he's just kind of lost in pass protection so far. Had a lot of boneheaded penalties. Um, The left tackle position right now is a revolving door with Cam Robinson out for the year. Josh Wells out for a significant amount of time. They have Josh Walker, who's a converted guard, who's never played tackle in the NFL, who just started his first game against the Cowboys. And to be fair, I think he's doing a decent job for being thrown into the fire. But this is the experience you're dealing with. His backup, New York Giant, Giant, former New York Giants, famous first round pick Eric Flowers, who they just signed this past week. So you know what you're dealing with there at left tackle, and it's not that great. So for a guy like J.J. Watt, who I'm going to be honest, I never expected him to come back and play at the level that he's been playing so far with seven sacks through either uh, through six games so far. He might have himself a really good uh, game, whether it be him or whether it be uh, Jadavian Clowney lining up against the Jaguars offensive line. So we honestly could see this game perhaps turning into a sack fest. J.J. Watt is tied for first among defensive players with at least 80% uh, of, of their plays that they've played on defense. That's how good J.J. Watt's been. Like among all defensive players, not just edge guys. Um, yeah, I mean, if you lessen it, if you go less than 80%, Aaron Donald shows up and he's a li- played a little bit better and a couple of other guys. But yeah, J.J.'s still in the top five or 10 if you go to you know lesser plays or whatever. And, and J.J., 
is always playing that. I mean, he's, you look at JJ, every time they get a shot of him, he looks like he's out of breath, but you can't take him out of the game because he's JJ Watt and he's that good. And even when he's out of the breath, he's great. So yeah, there's one thing I want to get with you guys as far as, uh, I'll take a a quick second uh, to remind everybody uh, before I do that, that, uh, hey, if your company is looking for a new way to reach customers, uh, you could be mentioned right now in our show. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on the podcast. Our demographic is 98% male, more educated, earning more than traditional media audiences. So if you'd like to be a sponsor, just email us and let us know about it. Uh, and also, uh, don't forget that um, you, you just don't want to watch the game from home. You don't want to watch Texans and Jags from home or uh, whichever Texans home game, Jags game throughout the year when you can be in person at the stadium thanks to Vivid Seats. They offer great prices for NFL games and all live events. And our listeners receive $20 off orders of $200 or more if you're a first-timer. Just use the promo code Locked On. That's Locked On, all one word. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee go to vividseats.com or download the app and enter the promo code locked on for $20 off orders of $200 or more for new customers. It's a great way to save money. The next time you go to a game and vivid seats wants to help you get to the game. Well, guys, Zach and Chris, uh, you know, I, I would say that the matchup to me is similar to what the Texans have been dealing with the last few weeks between the Texans and Jags. If we're talking Texans defense, and Jags offense, and you tell me, but because the Texans have looked better because they haven't faced a great receiver or great receivers the last few weeks with the Bills and, and of course, the Cowboys. So to me, th- that's a great situation for the Texans because the cornerbacks are not the greatest, but Kareem Jackson and J.J. have been playing better. They've had to move Kareem a little bit more over to cornerback with all the injuries, but um yeah, this to me looks like the Texans can continue to play well on defense this week. I mean, unless there's stupid turnovers or special team stuff or weird weird stuff like that, I, I'm just expecting this to be a defensive struggle. Didn't you say that they moved up to ninth uh, in yards allowed? Yeah, I think they're they're in the top ten. And I think the Jags yeah. are right there with them. I mean, it's 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 all set up for defense for this game. I mean, I, I would be shocked if if anything was. I mean, if we got into a shootout, I, I would be stunned. Yeah, when when I crossed over with Marcus Mosier of Locked On Cowboys, uh, we we were both fully expecting a defensive showdown uh, in Dallas, and we saw the absolute opposite of that. So I, I might refrain from banking on a defensive showdown uh, just on my behalf because I have no idea what this Jaguars team is going to do. But looking at the numbers, that very well could be the Jaguars' offense is struggling. Uh, I mean. I don't even know who's going to suit up at running back because they have they unlike last week they haven't ruled Fournette already out. So uh, mm-hmm. Marone said that he was running at practice, looked good. So maybe he'll be active this week. I'm not sure, but uh, it really comes. to – You mentioned wide receivers, and the Jaguars have a a few pretty good wide receivers. It's just a matter of the person throwing the ball, getting them the ball. Uh, Keelan Cole emerged late last year, had a really good end of the season, started off hot this year and has kind of simmered off uh, their second round pick in the draft this past year. DJ Chark, he has all the tools to be a great receiver, uh, yet, has yet to hit his stride, only has, I think, 68 yards on the year on two catches or something like that, maybe three catches now. But uh, but 
And then finally, you have uh, D.D. Westbrook, who I think has been the wide receiver of the year for the Jaguars right now. Uh, seems to be their go-to guy uh, the last few games. So I think if there was a wide receiver to look for, I would say probably D.D. Westbrook. But then again, like I said, you, you gotta. it depends on what kind of game you're getting from Blake because Blake is really kind of momentum-based and his psyche can get shot really quickly. Some games he's been known to be able to bounce back after a bad mistake and keep chugging, but we've seen bad Blake here in Jacksonville that if his psyche is shot, then you just are going to get some awful throws and awful play out of him. So uh, this week I think will be a really big test to see where I think the Jaguars team goes for the rest of the year. We're trying to figure out how you guys gave up 378 yards on the Cowboys because that de- that offense did not look like a juggernaut when we played. <laughs> Before the game, I looked into the receiving core, right, just to get an idea as to what they were doing statistics-wise. Cole Beasley at his pace before the Jaguars game would have had to have played an entire season to match what DeAndre Hopkins had in receiving yards through 5 games. No one saw this coming. <laughs> and then of course, Beasley has like a career day against the Jags. So like Chris said, it, it's hard to expect like to have expectations at this point because no one's really sure what's going on with the Jags. We've got our ideas. I don't like what the defense is doing at all right now in terms of schematics. And Blake Bortles is playing terribly at this point and the offense is lacking creativity, but it is just so hard to pin exactly what is the primary issue right now how's your tight end production right now with O'Shaughnessy Uh, I mean you know you let Mercedes Lewis go I love the guy I I know it it, it probably was time but do you think you could have gotten better production if you would have just given a little bit longer uh, with that offense well I can tell you that I'm a James O'Shaughnessy fan I wrote up about him today that I think there's a lot of untapped potential there because they aren't really utilizing him in like the open field He's averaging like 1.3 yards per route run, and he's gaining like half of his receiving yards come after the catch. And so he's he's proving that he can be an elusive receiving threat. They just don't get him the ball enough. So I'm excited to see what he can do as a starter with Austin Safarian Jenkins and Niles Paul out. Given that he's not on the field a ton except for passing situations, We don't know what O'Shaughnessy has in the tank as a blocker. I've seen some effort, but we don't really see it consistently because he's not doing it enough. In which case, Austin Safarian Jenkins was coming along really well as a blocker. He's now out for at least eight weeks. Niles Paul is done for the season. He wasn't the greatest blocker. Suddenly, you know, at tight end, as if it's not bad enough where you just don't know what you have with O'Shaughnessy being a potential guy. Greenwich being a practice squad dude that hadn't ever played in the game until this past week. And they signed Blake Bell, who's a converted tight end, uh, used to play quarterback at Oklahoma. You absolutely like you want you wish that there was like time machines and all that kind of cool <laughs> stuff that, that people talk about from the future. So you can go back and get inside the head of Dave Caldwell back in March when he released Mercedes Lewis and you tell him listen man like no <laughs> you, <laughs> you you they need a proven guy like Lewis they need a guy they can trust to run block because this team wants to run the ball and they're not doing it uh they're not tr- putting the trust in Yeldon and maybe they if they had a blocker like Lewis they'd kind of flip that script a little bit with pretty much what everyone likes to call the sixth offensive lineman and give Yeldon the more carries. And I'll just chime in real quick on um, Blake Bell. 
Uh, I'm I'm very excited for Blake Bell. Not that I've ever seen him play before, but later or earlier today, I found out that his nickname in Oklahoma was the Belldozer. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, guy's six six two fifty one. He's huge, uh, and I'm fully endorsing him as the future tight end of the Jaguars with the nickname as the Belldozer. Are we just going to put a little miniature boxing ring? maybe at the corner of this field and just have Jalen Ramsey and DeAndre Hopkins go at it. I mean, I, I expect to hear some like Rocky music raining down from the stadium speakers and, and those two guys going at it. Is, does Jalen Ramsey, he, he kind of keeps his mouth shut, doesn't he, about DeAndre Hopkins? This might be the one week where he, he doesn't want to poke the bear. I know he's dealing with a bit of a knee injury right now. He played a great game against Dallas, but there were times – where the camera would pan to him after he made a play and you could see him kind of limping. That is something I'm sure Texans fans are going to want to keep note of to see, because he was questionable heading into the game with a knee injury. We don't really know where it came from. Just something to remember. Um, Now I look back, I'm trying to remember what, when it was, it might've been the GQ article when he was talking about players across the league, namely quarterbacks, But I think there was it it may have been a different one, but it was sometime this offseason where he was asked about DeAndre Hopkins and he pretty much said like, oh, like, yeah, we like to get into each other's heads and trash talk. But like this dude is legit like there, there, there is a big level of respect between Ramsey and Hopkins that Ramsey especially has for Hopkins. And I think Hopkins does have kind of the same thing going back. I'm obviously not covering Hopkins as co- like much as I'm covering Ramsey, but there's definitely a respect level that isn't really seen as much because the matchup is so hyped up and that's what makes it so fun. But I think that's the cool aspect of it as well is that it's not like the Michael Thomas versus Josh Norman debacle from a couple of weeks ago, Saints versus Redskins there's a respect level there and that's what makes this cool. Not the same respect level that there is between Clowney and Bortles. I, I take it. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when, um, when last year, when Clowney called Bortles trash and the Jags won, and then Jags fans started sending trash cans to the Texan stadium. Oh yes. They've flipped that script and Jags fans have actually, at least from what I've seen on Twitter, started sending teal colored trash cans to the Jaguar stadium because of how Blake's been playing. So at the, I, I, I kid you not, that was on my timeline this week that <laughs> someone actually sent that to TIAA Bankfield. So maybe Clowney had a point. <laughs> <laughs> What are you expecting, guys? I'll, I'll I'll finish off with that. I mean, I I'm expecting like what uh, fifteen to twelve, about forty thousand field goals in this game, and I I, I can't predict the Texans to win because I've I've just gotten burned too many times this year. I trust Kaimi Fairburn. Man, that guy's been good. If he wins the game, you know, if it's in his hands, I trust him now. See, I I'm thinking the same way that it's going to. I I would bet the under on this game one hundred percent. I think it'll be low scoring. You might see a score, maybe two scores max from each team's offense. Something along the lines of like 20 to 17. I don't want to bet on the Jaguars after the past two weeks. I think this team has the drive. We've seen it in the past where when they're down, they aren't really out. This is a band of brothers that I don't think are going to start you know, pointing fingers or anything like that. I think coming back home after playing a couple of away games, I think they'll put something together to where it may not be a pretty win, but they do pull out a home win so they don't fall into a three-game losing streak. 
Yeah, I don't trust Kaimi. I disagree with Brian. I don't I don't trust him if it's 40 or more yards. If it's 40 or less yards, sure. Yeah, he's good. But yeah, 40 or more yards. Uh, no, he's not really that great of a kicker. He's just been okay because he's not great in those long distance situations but it should be a fun one guys i'm looking forward to it this week and and uh boy it's it's uh interesting because it's it's the division right now who who takes the lead i mean i guess if the texans or the jaguars win the titans would still have the division lead i guess technically with the tiebreaker because they've beaten both of us yeah and i'm actually unaware do you guys know who the titans are playing this week they're playing the chargers all right go chargers and i think they're in london (laughs) I think they're in London, too, because it's a 930 game. So, man, they're moving in on the Jags territory going to London like that. That's not cool. Yeah, I wonder. We're probably going to be next. We're very we're well overdue. But, you know, Bob McNair, I think he's had his hands in that. That's why he haven't been already. He does not want to lose you know, the revenue from a home game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Do you guys yeah. are you guys one of the teams that partakes in the Mexico City games? We did back in 2016. Yeah, we went. Uh, we played the Raiders. I think this year's is what Chiefs Rams in Mexico City. I think so. Uh, that should actually be a really good game. Both both of those franchises should be really angry that it's not at either of their stadiums. <laughs> if you remember, that was the laser pointer and Brock Osweiler's eyes. Ah, yes. Oh, yes, I that's that. right. <laughs> Which I don't know. It might have helped him. Who knows? I mean, with Brock, you never know. But yeah, that, <laughs> that was a loss, and that was a road game for the Texans officially. So yeah, they they didn't lose any home revenue on that one. But uh, hey, always fun to talk to you guys. Always fun to catch up and doing the doing the crossover. We love the work that you guys do over there. Thanks for doing this with us. You got it. We love the work you guys are doing as well, and we're looking forward to doing this once again later in the year. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the Locked On Crossover. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. (laughs) 